0: Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Wednesday, June 9th, 2021, I'm Jackson Bird. Why, some people don't have a mind's eye, and others can visualize things in incredible detail. Watermelons on Mars and human-animal hybrid babies born across the world. Neither of those are true, but if you read two of the biggest newspapers in the U.S., you might have been led to believe they are. And El Salvador has become the first country to officially recognize Bitcoin as currency. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Early in 2020, there was a discussion that took over Twitter for a couple of days and was sparked by a post that asked people to explain what they imagined in their heads when told to picture an Apple. And the original tweet featured a visual scale from 1 to 5 of what you may have pictured, with 1 being basically a realistic photo of an apple, 2 being more like a one-dimensional drawing of an apple. It got more rudimentary as you went along the scale, until 5, which was no visualization at all. And this really messed with people's heads as they thought about how they think about things. Some people were flexing on their ability to imagine a perfect apple... Like Neil Gaiman, who responded, quote, I'm a one, although the apple is green, has a bead of dew on it, and is on a tree, end quote. Okay, Neil, we get it. You're a talented writer. But others seem to realize for the first time that they don't actually picture anything and wondered if people were messing with them when they said that they could. Now, there's no right or wrong here, but the people who were 1s, perfect, detailed visualizations, and 5s, absolutely nothing, are kind of outliers, with many of us just falling along the spectrum in between— Neurologist Dr. Adam Zeman has been researching this curiosity of our brains since the early 2000s. He and his colleagues call the condition of not visualizing anything, in other words, not having a mind's eye, aphantasia, while the ability to conjure up detailed mental imagery they call hyperphantasia, Now, if you're not sure which camp you fall into, or if you're maybe somewhere in between, here's an exercise that you can do right now that someone from the original Twitter thread shared from a subreddit for people who think they might have a Fantasia. Alright, so, visualize, or picture, or think about, whatever, a ball on a table. Got it? Now, imagine that someone walks up to the table and gives the ball a push. What happened to the ball? Alright, so you imagined all that? Now, a few more questions for you. What color was the ball? And what did the person look like? Did they have a particular gender or hairstyle or body type? And what size was the ball? Like soccer ball sized or more like a ping pong ball? And what did the table look like? What shape was it? What was it made out of? And now the most important question... Did you already know the answers to those questions based on your initial visualization or did you have to think about it and come up with some things? Maybe you had an idea for some but not the others. Maybe you could conceptualize that the ball would fall off the table but you didn't picture it, you know, you didn't build down a scene. That's how the person who posted this exercise on Reddit and who says they experience aphantasia described their experience of the exercise, understanding it in theory but not seeing it. In a video on Aphantasia, SciShow used the example of asking someone how many windows their home has. Someone with Aphantasia probably wouldn't picture the exterior of their building, but they could still give you the correct answer, and they would tell you that they used knowledge or memory to figure it out. Dr. Zeeman was first alerted to the idea of Aphantasia when a patient of his reported that after a minor surgery, he was left without the ability to visualize images in his head. And since then, Zeman and his colleagues have been in touch with over 12,000 people with aphantasia, most of whom always had it, not who lost their mental imagery following surgery like the initial patient. And they estimate it's experienced by tens of millions of others. Now, if you don't have aphantasia, it can be tough to understand how people actually experience it. Here's how some people have explained it in Dr. Zeman's research, quoting the New York Times. One described the condition as feeling the shape of an apple in the dark. Another said it was thinking only in radio. They had little trouble recalling things they had seen. You know, when asked whether grass or pine tree needles are a darker shade of green, for example, they correctly answered that the needles are. On the other hand, people with aphantasia don't do as well as others at remembering details of their own lives. It's possible that recalling our own experiences, known as episodic memory, depends more on the mind's eye than does remembering facts about the world." End But maybe you were more on the aphantasia side of things and can't imagine what it's like to experience hyperphantasia. Quoting again from the Times, Joel Pearson, a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of New South Wales who has studied mental imagery since 2005, said hyperphantasia could go far beyond just having an active imagination. It's like having a very vivid dream and not being sure if it was real or not, he said. People watch a movie and then they can watch it again in their mind. It's indistinguishable. Based on their surveys, Dr. Zeman and his colleagues estimate that 2.6% of people have hyperphantasia and that 0.7% have aphantasia, end quote. Now, all these surveys are a bit tough to really study because they depend on people's own perceptions and biases. You know, they're self-reporting what they experience, and trying to quantify that with people's different interpretations is difficult. So Dr. Pearson has been experimenting with more objective methods, one of which goes back to the pupil segment from Monday. Apparently, in the same way that our pupils constrict when we look at bright objects, Dr. Pearson and his colleagues noted that people's pupils also constricted when asked to simply envision a white triangle, unless the subject had aphantasia, in which case their pupils stayed the same as they tried to picture the white triangle. Quoting again, In another experiment, Dr. Pearson took advantage of the fact that people's skin becomes more conductive when they see frightening scenes. He and his colleagues monitored the skin of volunteers as they read scary stories that were projected on a screen in front of them. When most people read about frightening experiences, such as being attacked by a shark, they experienced a spike in skin conductance, but people with aphantasia did not. The study suggests that the mind's eye acts as an emotional amplifier, strengthening both the positive and negative feelings produced by our experiences. People with aphantasia can have those same feelings from their experiences, but they don't amplify them later through mental imagery, end quote. This kind of suggests that people with hyperphantasia especially could be more prone to certain types of anxiety. And Dr. Zeman did say that, anecdotally, people with aphantasia are good at moving on, perhaps because they aren't replaying images of trauma in their head. And to be clear here, there's no suggestion about, like, intellectual or emotional abilities being stronger in one versus the other. While surveys show that people with aphantasia are more likely to work in math and science fields, there are accounts of some scientists with hyperphantasia too. And artists seem to fall in both camps. In fact, contrary to what you might initially think, a lot of illustrators responded to the original Twitter thread saying they couldn't visualize anything in their heads. But why does this happen? well, we're still not sure yet, because it's all still pretty new. But the research currently tends to revolve around the ways that different regions of the brain interact with one another, in particular, the parietal and occipital lobes. Quoting the Times, Decision-making regions at the front of the brain send signals to regions at the back, which normally make sense of information from the eyes. Those top-down signals can cause the visual regions to produce images that aren't there. In a study published in May, Dr. Zeman and his colleagues scanned the brains of 24 people with aphantasia, 25 people with hyperphantasia, and 20 people with neither condition. The scientists had the volunteers lie in the scanner and let their minds wander. The people with hyperphantasia had stronger activity in regions linking the front and back of the brain. They may be able to send more potent signals from decision-making regions of the front of the brain to the visual centers at the back, end quote." Dr. Pearson and his colleagues are looking at ways they might be able to give someone with aphantasia a mind's eye by using non invasive magnetic pulses in those visual centers of the brain. But the jury's out on the ethics there. What if you can't reverse it and the person is haunted by all of this imagery? Dr. Pearson calls that the dark side of the theoretical method. For now, I like what Hank Green had to say about aphantasia, hyperphantasia, and everything in between on SciShow. Quote, it's a reminder of how different our everyday experiences can be from one another. Many with aphantasia don't realize for years or ever that they're experiencing the world differently. And those differences aren't a bad thing, but they are important. And the more we learn about them, the more we can understand what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. End quote. The news media is a mess this week. USA Today's weekend print edition ran a front-page ad for Netflix's new show, Sweet Tooth, which I started over the weekend and am really digging so far, although it can be tough to watch at points because the show, which is based on a DC comic by Jeff Lemire that began running in 2009, is about a post-apocalyptic world mostly taken out by a pandemic. So, yeah, a little too close to home at times. The other main element of the show is that right around the time the pandemic started, human babies started being born as human animal hybrids. In the comic and in the show, these kids are basically treated like animals and hunted down by poachers. It's really gross and awful. Which brings me back to the USA Today ad. Their front page was completely taken over by fake articles about baby hybrids, complete with photos from the Netflix series. Headlines read things like, Hybrid babies born across the US, and General calls hybrids a threat to national security, Activists fight back. Unless you were familiar with the show, which let's be honest, most people aren't, or you spotted the infinitesimal label of advertisement above the articles, you could theoretically think this was real news. Perhaps you'd first think that USA Today had gone the way of National Enquirer before you started believing animal-human hybrids had actually been born, but, you know, with the level of conspiracy thinking these days, I have to agree with Gizmodo that this was kind of an irresponsible move on the part of both USA Today and Netflix. Gizmodo writes, quote, Many of the fear-mongering stories about the COVID-19 vaccines have featured fantastical elements like microchips that turn people into magnetized 5G radio towers, the sorts of things you might expect to see in a comic book and not in the conversations about a real-world life-saving medicine. This is part of what made the Sweet Tooth advertorial copy's actual content something of an issue in its own right, as the fake stories breathlessly described unbelievable human-animal infants being born in maternity wards. Strange as the ads read, the reality is that misinformation often plays into these sorts of conspiracy-tinged stories that stoke people's fears about society, end quote. Gizmodo points to the larger issue of journalism being undermined, bought out, and mistrusted right now, and how this ad unfortunately contributes to that. Gizmodo also points out the problem with this being the front page for some of the print editions, even though a real front page was printed behind it, essentially on the second page. But so many people just look at the front page and make assumptions based on that. It's like just reading the headline or push notification on your phone. Which takes me to the other news media hot mess of the week. The New York Times briefly published an article with the headline, Fields of Watermelons Found on Mars, Police Say. If you clicked through, you saw a stub of an article reading, quote, Authorities say rise of fruit aliens is to blame for glut of outer space watermelons. The FBI declined to comment on reports of watermelons raining down, but confirmed that kiwis have been intercepted, end quotes. That is an actual article that was published by the New York Times yesterday. It wasn't a hack or some, like, late April fool's joke. The New York Times, who removed it as soon as they realized it was public, says it was a mock article intended for testing their system and published in error. So in this case, it was a total innocent mistake. But again, we live in a world where there are erroneous reports about all kinds of plant life being found on Mars right now, not to mention a UFO bonanza happening with the predictably unexciting release of a UAP report from the U.S. government. We're just in a weird place misinformation-wise right now, so these two incidents, while kind of funny, also struck me as unfortunately heavy. Real, this-is-why-we-can't-have-nice-things vibes. El Salvador has just become the first country to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender. The move has become law after the country's Congress voted in favor of the Bitcoin law by a supermajority of 62 out of 84 votes. Quoting CNBC, Prices can now be shown in Bitcoin, tax contributions can be paid with the digital currency, and exchanges in Bitcoin will not be subject to capital gains tax. The exchange rate with the U.S. dollar will be freely established by the market, according to the law. El Salvador's current official currency is the U.S. dollar. The law also says that the state will promote the necessary training and mechanisms so that the population can access Bitcoin transactions." Approximately 70% of El Salvador does not have access to traditional financial services, according to the Bitcoin law. The cryptocurrency is seen as a way to increase financial inclusion. President Bukele submitted the law to Congress after he announced last week that El Salvador struck a partnership with digital wallet company Strike to build the country's modern financial structure using Bitcoin technology, end quote. Here in the U.S., as of 2014, cryptocurrency is classified as property, not currency, for federal income tax purposes. And Decrypt spoke to former IRS senior counsel Roger Brown about the potential for El Salvador's decision to have implications on U.S. tax and reporting, and if the IRS would now treat Bitcoin like a foreign currency. The short answer is no, and if it were, Bitcoin gain might actually be taxable at higher rates. At the moment, Brown doesn't think this will have any effect on Bitcoin's status in the US, but if more countries adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender, then the IRS might have to make some decisions. Commenting on the claim that El Salvador is trying to increase financial inclusion with this Bitcoin law, Matt Novak points out in Gizmodo, To be clear, there's no evidence that Bitcoin helps the poor people this new law in El Salvador claims it's trying to help, but it's a great move for any wealthy people in the Latin American nation who want to hide profits made from crypto under the guise of economic freedom. Will people around the world try to move their Bitcoin profits to El Salvador in order to gain some kind of tax advantages? That's entirely possible, but it would still be a useless exercise for the average American. The US tax code applies to all Americans no matter where they reside, so any American citizen would likely need to set up some kind of complex shell company in El Salvador in order to avoid paying capital gains taxes on Bitcoin, which is to say you can't take your Bitcoin wallet physically to El Salvador and think you're going to simply avoid paying capital gains tax on any crypto earnings at least not without denouncing your U.S. citizenship first, and that comes with plenty of its own tax penalties. President Bukele recently changed his Twitter avatar to include Laser Eyes, a modification that used to be associated with white supremacists, but has recently been adopted by Bitcoin enthusiasts. Bitcoin believers have been ecstatic ever since Bukele announced his intentions to adopt Bitcoin as legal currency earlier this week. Bitcoin isn't officially beholden to any one government around the world, but for a supposedly decentralized store of value, it depends immensely on how Elon Musk feels on any given day. End quote. Just a quick reminder that the Ring of Fire solar eclipse will be happening tomorrow, Thursday the 10th for the eastern parts of the US and Canada that will get to see the partial eclipse you should look up at the sky with eye protection around sunrise in Europe it will appear around midday and if you're hanging with Santa up in the North Pole you will get to see the full eclipse check the link in the show notes for more detailed info on what time to catch a glimpse of the ring of fire where you are but that is it for today as always this show was produced by ridehome media and khaki.org i am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.